0: Matt and Murray are back together. We're talking about the know. state of short fiction. It is After WorldCon 2022, and it is the Ditch Diggers.
1: Ain't no one he's here with some not so nice advice. So you're writing career to be clear. No punches will be pulled, but the punch may be spike. How they like before they get on the mic. To my left, we got the mighty Mer Lafferty. And if I piss her off, believe me, she'll come after me. My and her co-host, Matt Evan Wallace on the right. Yes, she may be half as hype as she can take him in a fight. So settle in, folks, buckle in and boot up. Time to meddle in a way to make your rider shut up. It's hard work, but the perk is that it's fun and exciting. Facebook will still be there when you're done writing. Ditch Diggers! Ditch Diggers! Yes, that fun post-WorldCon time. Yeah. Even more interesting in, in these dicey times of ours. I'm and, not, uh, uh, yes. Yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't go because I don't go to conventions anymore. And, yeah, you're too uh, good for that. I'm not too good for it. I just don't want to get COVID. Like I don't know what else to say. It like
0: that's the reason you we'll go to conventions anymore.
1: That's one of the primary reasons. Yeah, are you okay. saying that? What is it? like you're saying that like it's a weird thing? I
0: no, so, I just thought you decided that well before COVID.
1: No, I decided I didn't like conventions well before COVID. I COVID really cinched me not going anymore. Yeah, because um, I just don't feel the return. Is worth the magnificent investment that you know you have to put out for these things, which is a whole other topic for a whole other show. But yeah, no, yeah. COVID for the last for the last two and a half to three years has been has been the primary reason. I still I still have massive amounts of anxiety when I see photos from conventions at this point, so I just can't even imagine uh, going to one.
0: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, all of my photos from WorldCon. Mm-hmm. They should all be masked. If they're not masked, then I was outside. Um,
1: no, I know you take things seriously. And I know yeah. there are conventions that, you know, as a s system really take things seriously. It's just as seriously as you can take things and all the protocols you can put in place, you're still dealing with people who are inherently shitty. So <laughs> you're going to get groups and individuals who just don't give a shit there's just nothing you can do about that and yeah. it's that x factor that really keeps me away from the conventions it's not yes. a knock on folks who need or want to attend or conventions who are doing their best with safety protocols it's just mm-hmm. this is yeah. not for me so but i'm just I, I only i only put that out there to add that just added the whole other dimension to the whole world con viewing from the outside experience this year sure is is what i'm saying gotcha you know yeah. Well,
0: to uh, to properly start the podcast, this is The Ditch Diggers. I am Mer Lafferty, and I'm here with Matt Wallace, my good and dear friend of many years. We're both science many fiction years. professionals, and we're here to talk about the business of science fiction. Um, I have a little bit to announce before we get into the nitty-gritty, because lots of things are happening right now. First off, <laughs> something's not happening. I had Speaking of conventions, I had plans, uh, had hopes to go to New York Comic Con, had plans to speak at She Podcasts Live in Washington, D.C. in October. Both of those things are not happening. Um, oh, I man. could only get a signing at New York Comic-Con and considering how much it would cost me to travel to New York and put up lodging in New York. And I think even even a pro pass to Comic-Con costs money. Um, it just wasn't worth it just for a signing. And to expose myself to all of that. Because even though I'm boosted, it's going to take about six weeks to actually... Six weeks, right? It takes a while. Anyway, um, <laughs> so my October is really freed up and i'm not thrilled about that because i had plans for dc especially um secondly we are doing a uh station eternity sort of live table read of the first uh three chapters or so of the book i turned it into an audio drama i got some live streaming and voice acting and improv friends to fill in the uh main characters and we're just kind of doing a live audio drama on october 1st here on twitch twitch.tv slash mighty for those of you listening later and um that'll be october 2nd 2022 if you're listening in later years sorry you missed it but it should still be on youtube so check that out but uh that should be fun i got the idea from uh the princess bride table read back in 2020 and i love it oh, yeah. so much i really wanted to do something like that cuz people aren't doing stuff like that they're not doing like live audio dramas where there's not actually cosplay or or you actually see the i think there's something cool about watching a radio drama maybe i'm strange i don't know no, I agree. but i like
1: the i like the stripped down feeling of it it's like you know like mandy patinkin yes. audio drama you know they're kind of like i'm barefoot and in a little black t-shirt but i'm doing some really cool art in front of you live you know
0: exactly Um, so yeah, that's October 1st, and then the book comes out October 4th. Woohoo! It was just named one of BuzzFeed's most anticipated science fiction books for the fall.
1: I mean, come on. Of course it is. So that's exciting. That's very exciting. Congratulations, Um, Mark.
0: And had some people come up to me at Worldcon saying they'd read advanced copies and liked it. Big relief. I liked um, it.
1: I mean, I don't know if I can, but you, I, of course I think you can't do but amazing. you are,
0: but you are biased, so yeah it's that's and true. I know you wouldn't say that if you didn't like it. You'd be all like nice and supportive, but you wouldn't lie to me, but other people yeah. don't know that. they just say that we're like close friends and think that right. you know Matt's just like pumping her up, but no, no, I know that, and I appreciate no, it. no well, yeah,
1: no, it's absolutely true. I wouldn't say I liked it I would just I would hype the book as an event, I just wouldn't talk about the content of the book itself, so. yeah. But I really like the book itself. It's very cool and weird. I think kind of the next level for your fiction, in my humble opinion.
0: Thank you, dude. That's very sweet.
1: You Uh, continue to evolve, Mer. And I dig that about you.
0: (sighs) Yeah, I got a really ambitious idea that's going to either break my brain or or change the face of science fiction forever.
1: I like Go for Broke, man. Those are the only two options. Either break your brain to where you're just drooling pace 24-7 and you change this whole game. You change everything.
0: Yeah. yeah, It's it's an
1: epoch. It's a merge driven singularity slash epoch slash something else that's, you know, very revolutionary. Something (laughs) else. I I don't know. I was trying to, I'm doing my best over here. But no, that's really cool, man. That excites me just to hear that you have that kind of idea. Yeah. Not even knowing what the idea is. I'll tell
0: you about it off stream.
1: Cool. I know. I want to know. I absolutely want to know.
0: But um yeah, that that's what's going on with me. There's a lot of stuff. Uh but it's it's an exciting month. So we're gearing up for my first original book launch in like six years or five Dude. years. It's a little bit little bit tense, but uh anyway. It
1: is. It's you know, again, difficult times, still difficult times to be doing those things. So yeah. I I commend you.
0: And uh just got back from WorldCon, lost two Hugos, but had a really good time, seemed to be COVID-free, recovered from my COVID vaccine. So, uh, that's, did we want to hear go dude, we haven't been nominated in several years.
1: So no, then no. okay.
0: And our right, and our write-in campaigns just keep (laughs) failing.
1: (laughs) Whatever, man. We have one. We're good. I know. Yeah. What Uh, about you? What have you been up to? Um, I'm, I'm grinding, man. I don't really have anything to announce right now other than all the books I have out already that already already feel um, like a past tense kind of thing. But no, you know, I'm working on, I've got new stuff coming up. I've got a new middle grade book that hasn't been announced yet that will be coming out sometime next year. I
0: keep waiting for you to announce that.
1: Yeah, I know. I keep waiting for the new announcement, but, you know, things, the wheels turn slowly. And then, you know, I've got... The Final Savage book, which is in, like, I, I finished the writing of right now. And we're in kind of, like, the final edits on that. But there's no, like, official release date or anything going there yet. So I'm still, you know, we a holding pattern on that. And then, you know, I'm working on this amazing top secret, you know, video game project that's going to be years before any of you hear about it. But it's, like, it's so wickedly cool and huge and epic. I wish I wish I could share things. But mm-hmm. that's that's the nature of video games. You sign a contract that says if you say anything about the video game that they come and kill you and your whole family. That's right. It's what's in the clause. Well, you know what I can say, though? And I'm allowed to say this. I know I am allowed to say this. Um, They had, uh, what was it, PAX West or or Gamescom or whatever. the huge PAX West, whatever the video game thing is. And they interviewed um, Matt Booty, who was the head of Xbox Studios. Okay. Big muckety-muck there. Muckety-muck. Big muckety-muck. Big time muckety-muck. As as much muck as you could muckety, this dude muckety's that much muck at, at Xbox Studios. <laughs> um, I'm really proud that I pulled that <laughs> off, man. I actually think I said that correctly for you what did, I was talking you about. You
0: absolutely did.
1: That was some, that, that was some impressive. Yeah. Shit. No, but anyway, Matt Booty, head of Xbox, doesn't get bigger than that in terms of Xbox, and he was running down because you know Microsoft owns all these different game development studios. Uh, including a studio called An Exile Entertainment. And Matt Booty was running down all the games everybody's working on and all this exciting stuff everybody's doing. But Matt Booty said he was most excited for a thing called Project Cobalt that is being worked on by An Exile Entertainment.
0: Why wow. And I may
1: or may not be involved with that project. That
0: is super exciting, dude.
1: So that was put out there by Matt Booty. I feel like then I feel like I can comment on it without without upsetting anybody or violating yeah. any concern
0: any yeah.
1: So, most excited, Merck his words
0: i know i know that's so, that's super exciting dude
1: but again it's gonna be years before you actually hear any details about this so that's you know i'm kind of in that nebulous place of just grinding yeah things are on the horizon i'm working on them but i don't have anything i don't have any big exciting events to announce yet. we'll probably uh, yeah
0: we'll probably all be dead by the time it comes out the way some probably of these go. That,
1: would, that would be the irony we'll finish the game and i'll finish all these books and we'll be ready to release them and that's when you know, COVID ninety seven comes out and kills everybody. Uh, so, yeah, that that would be the because the world revolves around me, Mer. That's I like you like how you like how I made that all about myself. The oh, whole yeah. world ending, totally. And the real the real tragedy is you didn't get to play a fucking video game that I worked on. That's, That's right. the real tragedy. This, That's right? right. Because we're all uh, malignant narcissists in this business. I
0: just I, I just reread the uh, Agatha Christie book where um, they discover that one of the first murders was actually just. A guy trying out something, and it and and anybody in the room could have died. It's just basically he put <laughs> some poison out there just to see if he could kill somebody. Right. And and someone's like, I just realized that could have been me. And Hercule <laughs> Poirot says, No, I just thought of something worse. It could have been me.
1: Yeah, that's I, I remember that line as soon as you started saying that, that's yeah. so Yeah. So, um, it's so yeah.
0: unfortunately Preemie has said that she can only stay for the first half and to front load with the wisdom and we're not doing that. So uh, for Preemie's sake, we do need to get going with the
1: wisdom, dude. Oh, the wisdom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um yeah, so I read uh, so we're segueing into like the actual show part of the show now, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, go man, go swag go Swigway?
1: Yeah, Swigway? Muckety muck?
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna blame the the vaccine for any sort of vocal tics i think
1: that, i think that's fair vaccine the anxiety of living in an unacknowledged pandemic like either one really works um no but i read a tweet this morning mer because you know i i checked the twitters, yeah, I'm on you the checked twitters. The, you're on
0: the twitters i'm actually not on the twitters much but i have been on the twitters a little bit more in the past couple of days i'm proud of myself go You was, checked the twitters
1: I, I was prouder of you when you weren't on the twitters because <laughs> you're much smarter than the rest of us but no so i read a tweet by uh Diabolical Plots, which oh, yeah. is a very, very cool, love Nebula Diabolic winning, Hugo nominated uh, fiction zine, Ignite nominated fiction zine. Want to give the shout out uh, to them for because zines need love and we're going to get in that too. But no, there was mm-hmm. a tweet, they were tweeting about uh, an unnamed publication's uh, guidelines for submitting stories, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess in the guidelines, and here I, I will read it <clears throat> so I don't misquote. Uh, Authors who submit to us more than four to five times without an acceptance are asked to revisit our previous issues and consider goodness of fit before submitting again. And uh, the person tweeting for Diabolical Plots obviously had a bit of an issue with this. It, it <laughs> a little a, bit. them a little wrong way. And I mean, and they, Diabolical Plots acknowledged that, yes, you should consider fit, but that this specific guideline seemed very much intended to discourage people. And when you're dealing with people submitting short fiction, I don't think it's unfair or unkind in any way to say you're dealing with people who have a pretty high anxiety quotient already among them. It's a,
0: know, it's a creat- a creative uh, problem. Yeah. More people with, who are really creative have this kind of issue than not.
1: And, you know, if you don't have it when you start doing this, you certainly develop it over time dealing with so many rejections, which is an inevitable uh, kind of symptom of yeah. trying to enter this industry and try to, you know, get stories published. Like you deal with an enormous amount of rejection. And Diabolical Plots, a very astute point, was if you demand that a person with anxiety only submit to places where they're sure their work is a perfect fit, whatever the hell that means, uh, that person probably just won't submit anywhere. Yeah. You know? And that getting rejected a few times, and I would add, this wasn't in, in Diabolical Plots' tweet, but I would add more than a few times. Uh, it's, just a, it's just a matter of you know, math. It doesn't mean your work is terrible. It doesn't mean you should be discouraged or stopped. You know.
0: No. And it just and pisses this, me yeah. off because I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no, no. Please, you're pissed off. Run the, with the, it.
0: This thing pisses me off because I've been talking for 17 years <laughs> on I Should Be Writing that rejection's okay. Nay, it should be celebrated because right. it is part of being a working writer. And then some asshole comes along with a statement like that and can just like erase. All of my hard work. And yes, I'm making it about me instead of other writers <laughs> hide. but the deal is... Make it is
1: about it, you, Mur Make it about you.
0: I try really hard to tell people that the majority of what holds you back in your writing career is your own emotions. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to overcome. Because if it's just like a matter of lifting a weight every day to get stronger, you can do that. But Absolutely. it's a matter of... Getting better as a writer, but also being willing to sit down and write again after being rejected. And being willing to send that story out to a different publication after it's been rejected. That's all an emotional decision. That's not That's not just business. And, uh, that's why, you know, that's what I talk about and I should be writing. And you just come across and say, well, you know, if you've been rejected a couple of times, then clearly you're not a fit. No, no, that is okay. Maybe you're not a fit for them and you should never send to them again, because that sounds like a real asshole move. If you you clearly don't know anything about writers, if you're going to ask for that. Now granted, if you have, if you're sending hard fantasy to an SF publication, maybe pay attention to submission guidelines.
1: Yeah. If you're, no yeah. If no you're saying sending don't, pay like, submission, don't pay attention to submission guidelines. Right. If you're saying. sending super
0: yeah. bleak shit to unidentified funny objects, maybe look at the submission guidelines. But if you read the submission guidelines and you think your story might be a fit, then send it. And just anybody's... You know, for me, it's like, the more often you submit, the more editors will know your name and they might take a look at you know what they might start to notice your name and see that you're getting better and then well, see, yeah. surprise surprise better, yeah. editors are rooting for you they <laughs> want good stories they want uh-huh. you to they want you to send them a great story and they're thrilled to buy it and so if they if if like we get like six stories in a row from a person and like the sixth one's really good i'm going to be like even happier to publish them because I know that they've been working hard. That's what Absolutely. the five rejections tell me that they've been working hard and getting better. And now I can say, you know, I've been watching you grow and that's awesome.
1: No. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head there. It's like authors develop, man. They get better. You know, they, they get different. They write different things. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, and even if it isn't different stories that you're submitting over time and like there was a, Someone responded to the tweet I mentioned. I can't find it because I'm I sad. I don't remember what it is. They were talking about how their their dream market, it took them, I think it was like, you know, five years or something like that, and like 20 different stories to crack, finally. Yeah. But they finally cracked it. Like, that's par for the course when you do this, which is a little sad, but ultimately triumphant, I would hope. It's not sad that you're ha- it's just, you know, to, that it takes that long to kind of get your, your thing out there. Um but, you know, that's that's the whole point, man. It's like you keep at it. You have to persistence is the only way to win in this thing. Like you you never get the winning lottery ticket. You never write the one story or the one book that cracks everything. And you're the you're the fabled overnight success, like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time. It's submitting and getting rejected and submitting and rinse and repeat over and over again until you want to smash your skull against a wall. But you keep going and then eventually you crack through somewhere and that's what starts the whole ball rolling on an actual career, you know? Like, that's the only way to do it, so... And, you know, I try to... I try, you know, because empathy is, like, my big thing these days, because I wasn't always the most empathetic person in the world, and I admit that.
0: You've but, grown. Uh, I, pre- I, I I, admire that about you.
1: I thank you. Um, not, you know, not looking for cookies, but I, I'm trying. I know. i really trying. I'm just acknowledging I've known you long
0: enough to see you evolve. You. It's, it's been awesome.
1: It. I appreciate that. But anyway, so I try to see it from... Like slush reading and running any any fiction market is very hard work and yep. generally thankless work. And one of the reasons I responded so strongly to the, this tweet when I saw it is because I've been thinking a lot about short fiction and short fiction authors and short fiction markets lately because it's kind of an ongoing struggle and problem, you know, within the industry and within kind of the creative side, uh too, just like the thinning of places to submit and how hard it is to run a magazine, let alone make any kind of sustainable money doing it. So this is just something hit me where I live. And like, I try to like, and I know you know all about it because you're an editor for many, many years with many, many markets and it's a hard thing to do. So I try to see from the point of view of like, I get that that you get a lot of stories when you run a market and and slush is hard and editing is hard, writing the zine is hard. But I just think you have to weigh that against the message you're sending out and what you're contributing to the culture when you tell writers something (laughs) like if we reject you four to five times, you're probably the problem. You know, I just think that, I think that's a step too far and maybe more than whoever wrote these guidelines intended. Like their intentions may have been very pure in their own mind from the perspective of we're trying to save us and you time and make this more efficient. But I think they just kind of, they kind of lost the plot a little bit with what's best for a healthy both a healthy market and a healthy relationship with writers and the message that your particular market is sending out to writers and your and your audience as well you know so
0: if they meant they probably <sighs> meant look at the submission guidelines but they didn't yeah. say that yeah and you can really really take what they're saying as we're, just, we're creative obsessive anxiety people we are going to take what is said and take it to the absolute worst place (laughs) we can logically which is if you don't sell to us in five stories you're not a good fit go away little writer yeah and And that's not if that's what they mean then they're assholes and you should not submit to them ever first last or any Of your stories.
1: They don't deserve your stories. No, I I agree with that. If it's not
0: what they meant, they need to get writers on staff because clearly they're not making themselves understood.
1: Yeah. And and, and again, like that could be a very deeply systemic thing with that publication. And just there's somebody you don't want to deal with. That also could have been someone who like read one story that day from someone that just doesn't read their guidelines and then just decided to make this you know, general blanket statement that was very ill advised. I don't know. But like it's one of those things if they don't address and fix, it's not a market I would certainly recommend to people to submit to as writers for all those reasons. But uh Yeah. But then again, and then you know to kind of springboard off this into the larger issue of short fiction and short fishing markets, it's tough, man, because, you know, there there are markets out there, but it's it's not like it's writers talk about all the time is it's, there's only so many markets you can submit to or you, or they feel like their work is appropriate for it. Right. So it's almost like you're already dealing with an audience that's, that's stretching to like wanting to try to submit to your market, even though you're, you might not be the most welcoming like this publication we're talking about right now. You know, I guess I'm talking about the pressure writers feel with kind of the shrinking, the whole shrinking, you know, dichotomy of short fiction markets in general to be like, well, you know, I've heard this market doesn't treat people particularly well, but I've been rejected by these other markets, so maybe I should just suck it up and submit to them anyway. Like, that kind of thought process, you know? Yeah. And that it makes me sad to think about that, because like, it shouldn't be that way. It really just discourages writers and discourages creativity, discourages us finding our our best work. And, like, short fiction is and, and should be, and I hope always will be such a fertile ground for amazing fiction voices, you know? And yeah. it just, I feel like it just progressively is shrinking and getting crapped on and just, you know, getting a really raw deal from most people. And I don't really know what to do about that, but it's an issue.
0: Well, we we have a podcast that we try to talk about.
1: So. We do, you know, and again, we contribute as we're able, but like our audience is not, you know, like millions of people worldwide. We do what we can, but it's just, and everybody does what they can. That's the thing. I don't want to turn this into a a scold session telling people you're not doing enough to support short fiction markets we're all doing the best we can with the time and the platform and the energy that we're a lot of this life. you know it's not about that it's just i just don't know systemically what the answer is just, i know not enough people are willing to pay for short fiction and short fiction markets like that's a huge problem yeah um you would like to believe the audience is there if it could be harnessed and focused in the right way but that's Always the problem with making money on any kind of, I'm very hesitant to use the word content online, but any kind of, you know, art or media right. online is figuring out in this day and age of people being willing to take anything digitally that isn't nailed down for free and not consider it theft and just being totally fine with that relationship to work. Like it's very hard to get anybody to pay for anything, um, you know, in a digital medium. Uh, let alone a print medium. I don't even know if print is still a thing at this point. Uh, I
0: think there's print things.
1: I like print. It's just, you know, it's hard, man. It's, we, it's, that's the place we've come to. You see, so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because we've been doing this so long, and I think that's one thing I can speak for humor. We've both been doing this a very long time. I don't feel it's an unreasonable statement. That we've seen so many shifts in... in models and paradigms and delivery methods and technology and market and it's you know i think of so many magazines that were so prevalent when i started submitting short fiction you know 17 20 years ago whatever the hell it was now um that either don't exist anymore if they exist they've stopped doing print entirely and have shifted completely to an online model or they're, yeah. they're just they're totally unrecognizable from when i might have had a story in them you know A million years ago and it was in a physical magazine and I went to Barnes & Noble and bought the physical magazine that's just not a thing anymore.
0: I had very few physical magazine stories not that I did a whole lot of short stories anyway I'm trying to write a short story now and it's just like letting a balloon go in a room it's just kind of all (laughs) over the place not real happy with it but
1: uh that should be the title letting a balloon go in the room okay. It's very it's deep. It's metaphor it's it, it is, it's
0: metaphorical. I'm writing that down right now. Yeah. But yeah, so short fiction's not easy. Um also no, it's very, I think, very hard. Yeah. I think a lot of my ideas these days go toward novel length ideas, but uh trying to focus on a short story idea is it's a challenge.
1: It and... very much is. I, you know, when I started out, all I did was short stories. Mm-hmm. I, start, I, I started out my career doing a short story podcast of my own. That's how all of this started for me. And I always considered my, I, I still tend towards shorter ideas, but like, I haven't written a new short story in years. Like, it's pretty much a not, that's what's interesting to me watching, because I feel like I'm kind of watching all of this sort of from the outside. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really have... A dog in the race at this point i don't write short fiction i'm just a reader of short fiction i'm a fan of short fiction I, and i really look at it from that kind of viewpoint um i miss doing it and i it's giving me a deeper appreciation of people who are doing it now and doing it so well and even i fall into that pitfall sometimes of thinking of short fiction as like a training ground for novelists right which i mean it's not that 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 isn't a thing or shouldn't be a thing but When people talk about it like that, I feel it's very minimizing to short fiction as its own form, you know, because I like short stories as their own thing. And like, you know, it's just sad that you can have a really brilliant writer of short stories and even a really brilliant prolific writer of short stories, but there's no real mechanism for them to make any kind of living or any kind of significant income from that form anymore. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Oh, yeah. So you know, and money is time, man. That's we, we talk about that all, all a lot on the show. It's like if you don't have the money, you don't have the resources, you don't have the time to devote to your art and your craft. And the fact that they, somebody who is only writing short stories, uh, you know, is is relegated to dealing with whatever time they can get, having to having to support themselves all these other ways because they're never going to make the money from that. It's just it's sad to me, and I feel like we miss out on a lot of work we would have otherwise gotten and I think about that and that's what that's what makes me sad there's no the diminishing appreciation for it as its own form and the complete non-existence of it as any kind of commercial entity anymore it's just very it's just very sad to me because I love short stories and I love short story writers yeah just just as a fan you know it's not even a professional i'm not even lamenting for me like oh i can't make money writing a short story like i'm gone beyond that i do novels i do video games that's my gig great right now and i'm happy with that i just like reading short stories so I don't know what to do about it, man. I mean, like, we talk about the money is a big problem. Promotion is a big problem. Just making, like, with anything fiction-related, making people aware you're doing what you're doing is a huge problem. Yeah. Uh, Of course, there's, like,
0: making people care that it's actually a skill. (laughs) There's still that. There's people who think that if they can tell a story about something funny that happened when they got drunk last weekend, that (laughs) means that they can... Tell a story with a beginning, middle, and end, and characters you care about on paper, um, because yeah, they yeah, no it's
1: words. It's like that old expression: uh, "You ought to send that one in to Reader's Digest." Yeah, you know, it's like no, you shouldn't, jackass, because that was just some nonsense you spat it out. You'd actually have to write it down, and craft it, and that's a skill unto itself.
0: Yeah, well, no, it's but, it's, uh, it's like instead of hey, I got this idea, you should you should write it, and we could both be rich. Uh, like no, you write it, you get all the money. <laughs> There you go.
1: It sounds like a cliche to a lot of people. People don't understand how real a thing that is and how often that happens out in the world when we talk to people about writing or being a writer. Um, every cab driver... I don't mean to single out cab drivers, added to which, it was the last time you were anybody was in a fucking cab at this point. Uh, Uber, driver. Uber driver. Uber driver, will tell you. Yeah, yeah I've, got, I've got an idea. It's not the same thing. I've got an idea for a short story. <laughs> I've got an idea for a story... You write it. We'll I've go. I've gone to on a it.
0: dark place. I'm sorry. No,
1: that's a whole again. Much like the con thing, that's a whole different episode. But it's fine. Um, yeah, they were like, "I've got this idea. You write it. We'll go has. We'll make millions. You and me, kid." And it's like, no, I. You know, I have. I had five ideas before breakfast this morning. Ideas are meaningless. Everybody mm-hmm. has ideas. Like it's the actual turning of them into words and those things. So yeah, I mean that's and that's the thing with writing in general. It like, gets very devalued. So. You know, if if like writing that you perceive as being the kind of writing that makes money is so devalued. Think of how devalued short fiction is, which is you know, as and as an as an industry like commodity, even even like below all that stuff. Like, you don't have a chance, and it just really sucks. You know, I I feel like I barely see short story collections anymore. I know people still do them, and I always get excited when I see one, but mm-hmm. it's not. It's certainly not as prevalent as it once was. You yeah. know, and that makes me really sad and uh yeah man i don't i don't know what the answer is mark but it's something that's that needs to be addressed in some form or fashion i always wonder what
0: editors expect when they do um anthologies like what kind of sales expectations because i almost always hear that sales on anthologies were not what expected and i'm thinking if i always hear that shouldn't they scale the expectations down a little bit
1: right yeah I mean no that's that and no that's a really that's, that is an incredibly valid point that goes to a lot of i was just um i was having a discussion with somebody the other day I forget who about uh the trouble with a lot of um you know hardcover debut uh releases like the insistence on the hardcover debut in a lot of genres and how detrimental that can absolutely be to a writer's career like starting them off with it's it almost becomes like You know, a handicap at this point. Is handicap an okay word to use? Actually, I don't know in that context. But just starting them off at a detriment because you're already setting this really high price point, which sets this really high expectation. Whereas if you know you started off with a with a smaller paperback cover debut and gave it a chance to grow, it'd be so much better for so many authors, especially right now when debuts are so difficult.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's probably you know when you when you get your first deal, if you get your first deal and it's modest and it's um paperback it can be disappointing and then you realize that since expectations are low they're easier to exceed
1: yeah and And you know
0: i am actually in retrospect i'm happier that my career started out like that and i'm even happy that my first two books did not do as well as they expected so my next deal which was six wakes was even worse if they could have gone somewhere beyond paperback they would have (laughs) You know, if they oh, we're just doing ebook. They they probably would have, but they didn't. It was paperback and then that one did right. really well and earned out really quickly because the advance was really low. But yeah. uh you know, that, that looked a lot better than, than maybe not hitting trying to get a, a hardcover and do amazingly on it. Um and I still don't have a hardcover and I'm not counting the IP books. Um
1: I mean, dude, I've had <laughs> I've had three of them. They haven't gone well. I'll just be honest with you. They they haven't. I, in retrospect, um, I wish I wish all three of the ones that I've had uh, had been paperback uh, originals instead. I think we could have done better. But it's you know it's the thing, man. It's like it's a hell of a thing when you feel like all right, we're gonna swing for the fences on this one. You're mm-hmm. really excited about that. Like the money is bigger up front but then again but then the expectations are bigger up front yeah and it's great when you can nail that but the truth is in this industry and the math bears it most of the time you're not going to nail that you're just not like that's just the reality of sales when it comes to publishing so you know you got i don't i don't know what the exact numbers would be but if it was like one in a hundred or one in a thousand or whatever i i don't know what it would be but it's just like your odds are just much better so i don't know where I don't know if we got kind of off topic you were talking about anthologies, right? That was how we Yeah,
0: but I mean I think yeah. going into paperback versus hardcover is a legitimate topic. It's Yeah, it's. And yeah. it's and it's is it Actually, I don't know the answer to this. Do agents have any hand in this? I know they sometimes want to push for something bigger. But uh do they ever actually listen? <laughs> I don't know. Does publishing and they... listen to agents when it comes to paperbacks or versus hardcovers? I...
1: I, that I don't, I don't think so. That, that is, that is, you're kind of relegated to the model the publisher has and the, and the model sort of the genre you're in has like with middle grade, like, and the publisher that the publisher i work with heart, that hardcover release is a debut. And then the paperback a year later is like, that's, that's standard, that's standard operating procedure. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's not going to change, you know, based on, based on what you want. Um, you know, I mean, agents, smart agents, I think, when it comes to, like, advances and stuff, they do take that into consideration. And there are pl- they're plenty of agents, so I've seen espoused it theories like, for a lot of my clients, I feel like a lower advance is actually a better thing long-term for their career yeah. in certain situations. And I appreciate that kind of thinking, because it's that kind of long-term strategic thinking, because I think that can be lacking for a lot of agents and authors, too. You know, you tend to think of a book as its own thing, and we're just, again, we're going to swing for the fences on this. We're going to do as much as we can and try to push it out there as hard as we can, mm-hmm. you know, taking a step back from that. I appreciate people taking a step back from that and go, well, wait, you know, let's look at the market. Let's look at, you know, the times we're living in right now. Maybe it'd be better to scale it down a bit. You're British. So scale it down a bit. That's an idiot's reference. Um, but yeah. So when it comes to circling back, when it comes to short fiction collections or anthologies, I do think it's doubly important to take that kind of long view and that kind of, not lower bar but just realistic expectations so I, I you know doing a hardcover doing a big hardcover anthology at this point i'm almost i don't almost don't understand why you would do that unless you had just giant selling names in it you yeah. know to me that's just that's just setting yourself up for failure so yeah i guess that is you know that the those are practical things that could be looked at and can be addressed to try to help it just Beyond that, systemically, I, I, I take a very dim view of the whole thing. It makes me sad.
0: Actually, I don't think my old publisher Orbit had does any hardcovers because NK Jemison's books were paperback, and James S A Corey's books are paperback.
1: Mm-hmm. That's um,
0: true. And those are the, the huge The Expanse and the Fifth Season. Those are huge sellers. So yeah, um, yeah. Of course, yeah.
1: And you can always do one later. You know, Lee, I believe, she had, they did the, the some of the Jade books in paperback, and because they sold so well, they came back and did them hardcover.
0: Yeah, I think they you did know, the whole slipcase a... fancy thing.
1: Yeah, and yeah. they should, because their series is fucking brilliant. And like, but that's the thing, it's like, I would rather, that's such a better scenario than we led with the big hardcover, yeah. and it didn't meet our expectations, so the rest of your series is fucked. You know, like, that's that's a much more common and sadder scenario. But yeah. And when, but the point is, when you look at it like that, when you look at it like, there's no reason you can't do the hardcover release later. Like, why lead with it, especially for an unknown debut author? It just doesn't really make any sense when you, when you look at it that way. Unless the publisher is just going to put massive promotion behind it, which again, 99.9% of the time is not going to happen. Anything no. close to it is not going to happen. So it's just such mm. backwards, it's just such backwards thinking. and it does And it does apply to what we're talking about here. With short fiction, uh, your, your expectations have to be set even more reasonably. And reasonably is a kind word there. So, I don't know. But I love anthologies and I love collections. And I'd love to see them become as prevalent as I feel like they were when I was, you know, a kid reading science fiction and fantasy. So, just, they're not as much out there. I'm, like, surprised when an, uh, when an author announces a short story collection at this point. Yeah. I'm almost like, oh, man, they still do that? That's awesome. I'm totally yeah. going to get that. It just Cameron Hurley like so just terrible. came out with one. Yeah, no. Cameron Hurley, um, Cassandra Caw uh, has, or is, oh, cool. is everyone? Um, uh, uh, Malca Older, I think, has has been coming out. Like they're okay. out there, uh, but again, like you don't. Again, you don't. Me saying that is, I, I know because I follow these authors and I am friends with some of them and I am excited about it. But general public wise, who's who's going to know? Like it's yeah. just not it's not a priority even amongst the publisher to, to push that kind of stuff, and that's therein lies the, the issue with it. But I feel like if that was more of a thing, it would be good for short fiction markets in general. Because so I feel like you just, you you kind of detrain the audience to look for or expect or incorporate short fiction into their reading and you don't feature it prominently in books like that, you know? Yeah. I think uh, another thing,
0: the 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 concept of, you know, we we are just a a more, more, more society. And... You know, you hear, are you going to write more in this world? Are you going to write? Are you going to turn this short story into a novel? Are you going to do yeah. a, a follow up to this novel, et cetera, et cetera? You hear right. this all the time, and so I think that makes some people devalue short stories because they're just like, well, if it's just like going to be five pages, why should I invest my emotions if I'm not going to get like a whole bunch more about these people?
1: No, that is why I think that's a brilliant point. That's 100% a cultural thing, particularly yeah. in America. Particularly in America, that we have, yeah. And I think that's. You know, I see plenty of people oh shit. I'm sorry, I just <laughs> looked out my window and one of my sprinklers just disintegrated and it's become a geyser. Okay. Um sorry, that's say, you do live streams. That's uh that's a thing that happens. That's what you get. Anyway, that's what you get. You get it raw and filtered, uh, straight from the cut. Um the hell was I saying? Yeah, the the thing you're talking about. Um I see people screaming all the time, authors and agents and and even editors, like, I want to see more standalone books. You know, let's do one book instead of a seven book series. That would be awesome.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And I feel like even, but even if people scream that, they don't apply it to short stories. They still have that idea of like, oh man, you're a really brilliant short story author. When are you going to do your novel? You know, because like, that's the expectation. So even, Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. But my point basically is, even folks who take that idea of like, we don't need more of everything. Standalone is very good. They're still not applying it to short fiction as its own form and recognizing it, and that that is a huge issue.
0: Well, I just had a signing at WorldCon, and I had a lot of people coming through asking if I was going to do any more shambling guides books. My last shambling guide book came out eight years ago, and right. they're asking if I'm if I'm going to do more six wakes books. And I'm like, okay, this is this is the publisher's decision. Um. So not right now, um, and yes, self pub is a thing. However, when I have a pr- uh, when I have a contract in hand that pays me money for a book, and I have fans that want a book that didn't sell very well,
1: mm-hmm. a,
0: a follow up to a book that didn't sell well enough for the publisher to continue the series, and knowing all of the work, including editing cover design interior design is all on me i you know i'm gonna go for the contract
1: it's, yeah it's not worth it man that's just the truth like I, mean, I, I yeah again i've been doing this a long time i know what my sales are i know what my current audience is i know what my reach is with my platforms which is the only thing i can control and in terms of self-publishing would be my only major method of pushing stuff. And that's the reason I don't have a Patreon and I haven't kickstarted stuff like that because it just wouldn't, it wouldn't do well enough. Like I'm not, I'm not there, uh, audience wise and it wouldn't be worth it for me. It's much better for me to take a contract, uh, with guaranteed money and some kind of semblance of resources behind it that are not my own or beyond my own. Even though again, that's a whole other discussion when it comes to publisher marketing. That just makes more sense for me and for what I need to get as a return on investment for my fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like people card line on stuff like this so much, you know. It's like I'm fully supportive of author publishing and author owned works and IPs. And you know, God bless y'all. Go out there and make your money if you can make your money. That's fantastic. I'm I'm supportive of traditional publishing. I'm supportive of authors like uh, you know um, who comes to mind. That's like a hybrid that does both. Well. I'm I'm supportive Ursula. of authors who do both. Ursula, there you go. Ursula is a fantastic example. Ursula is a huge. Mainstream traditional success and has her own freaking empire, putting out her own stuff. Like she's yeah. a shining example. Not everybody can be Ursula Vernon. Not everybody can do what Ursula Vernon does. As as no, Ursula's
0: do, an outlier, big time. Yeah,
1: big time. And like a great example for if you're going to do it, this is what you should shoot for, quality wise and distribution wise, and all the smart things that Ursula does. But like, not everybody has that capability, and and they and they certainly don't have Ursula's brand. You know, or audience, like that's yeah. the other part of it. So all these things need to be taken into consideration. We're talking about that because, like, that's an easy answer to the sort to the short fiction publishing, the short fiction question, right? It's like, well, forget about markets, just put out your own short stories and see what happens. It's mm-hmm. like plenty of people, plenty of people do that. It's not that easy, you yeah. know, like building an audience and generating an audience and generating income or we're doing that is incredibly, incredibly difficult. So. You know, it's not one, it's not, and I don't think it has to be one thing or the other. You know, that's certainly, that's certainly a thing that can and should be added to it. I mean, you know, that's, that's something a lot of us should probably be doing more of is having a bigger balance of stuff we control and release ourselves and stuff we put out traditionally, but I don't, for just for my money, like, I don't have the time to focus on it and I certainly don't have the skill. I would have to involve so many other people to do it well,
0: Yeah. My problem is I'm not good at managing a bunch of other people, and so... I'm I'm like the the idea of actually finding people to do the work is not the scary part. It's it's right. being the project manager of all of them. Right. That. I've got yeah. ADHD. I can't I can't manage my day. So I can't <laughs> manage a whole bunch of other people and their deadlines and on my project. I just no.
1: And uh yeah, no, that's it's a skill unto itself. Uh and it's not one everybody possesses. And it's not everyone, it's not a skill everyone should have to possess to do this. Like, we're writers. Like, we should be able to write, and then the people who are good at doing the things that aren't writing do those things. Like, it's, I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation or model to have. It's just so deeply flawed in so many ways, the way it currently exists. I think we lose sight of that a lot of the times, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're coming up on the hour here, so yeah. I think we need to start wrapping up. I don't, I hope we got to something meaningful <laughs> there. I know we didn't provide, I don't, I don't think we had too many concrete solutions, but I hope we gave you something to chew on, something to think about.
0: Yeah. Um, we did have one comment in chat and says my volume eight of The Expanse is hardcover. So I, uh, uh, did not know they did that. So I'm clearly wrong on a couple of things. So mm. I guess Orbit does do some, uh, hardcovers. Uh, Thank they you, do man. a lot of, but they do
1: a lot of paperback yeah. first editions. I have a lot of, I have a lot of, like Rage, like um, Evan Winter's series, that's all been yeah. paperback. Yeah. So they do, they do do that. It's just not a blanket rule, I guess. And I mean, especially if you're The Expanse. I wouldn't be surprised if they re-release, you know, 90 hardback editions of all The Expanse books by now. Yeah,
0: so I, these, I know they did this massive omnibus of the fifth season, but I don't know if that was hardcover or not.
1: Yeah, so I don't know, but... Thank yeah. you for that comment, and thank you for keeping us factually somewhat accurate. We try.
0: Yes. Um, so uh, it's good to have you back, dude, and um, we'll have you back in two weeks. Yes, September, I will be back. whatever.
1: Twenty something.
0: Twenty sixth.
1: 26. That's, I have a deadline on the 26th, so that'll be perfect. Oh,
0: you're welcome. <laughs> you, <laughs> you want to do that?
1: No, if I'm not, dude, if I'm not done by 9 a.m. on the 26th, then it's not done, period. So it doesn't matter. But you'll get me, like, post, post deadline, almost in deadline, but kind of post deadline.
0: Okay, so, so I'll maybe. have to come up with the topic that day.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe you want to carry me a little bit. Yeah. There'll be, there'll be one set of footprints in the sand. Yours, you tiny, foot I, I, princess, got it, I got as you, it. Thank as you. you. <laughs> as you carry me, which is I, I, a hilarious I, visual, and I just can't get enough of it now that hey man, I've but, learned that
0: I can. I, I, I've been told that I can firemen carry anybody.
1: I'm I sure. mean, we could put that to the test next time we're hanging out. I think everybody would like to see it, frankly. Um, but no, and in my head, like I'm really demanding as a passenger. <laughs> Like you're not doing a good enough job, like keeping it level. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah.
0: Your shoulders getting into my gut, man. It hurts. Can we can we
1: go any faster here? Like, (laughs) I have things to do. This is very funny to me. I
0: sinking into the
1: sand.
0: (laughs) Why are you an idiot? Decided to wander around in the sand. Why are we in the sand?
1: Why are we at a beach? I don't even like the beach. This is such a strange (laughs) scenario. We look at our choices. Yeah. 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 I'm getting
0: sunburned. That. Thank you.
1: Well, I'm wearing a big hat. I don't know about you, but I see myself wearing one of those big oversized Stefford Wives beach hats.
0: Oh nice, nice. Yeah. I like it. All right. Um anyway. tell us where you're coming from, uh, Matt, and I'm gonna start a raid to Cypher of Tear, my uh stream team leader. Uh she's doing some cyberpunk stuff, special event, so we're gonna raid her. And, uh, but let's talk about who you are and what you do, Matt.
1: Those well, are very deep questions. I assume even more people can find me online. You don't That's actually totally want to talk I mean. about the emotional journey I took to get here. This <laughs> will be a topic for another time. No, I'm most commonly found on the Twitters, which is a sad thing, and I really need to fix that about my life. But uh, Twitter at Matt FM Wallace. You can find uh, me online at Matt Wallace.com. I have many books out right now, Middle Grade Books for Kids, The Supervillain's Guide to Being a Fat Kid, Bump, my adult fantasy series, Savage Rebellion, all good stuff. You can find all that on my website. Also, something I want to plug is I have a, I have a Void Merch uh, collection. Oh, nice. Where I, par- I partnered with Void Merch to produce uh, you know really cool swag based on their original designs, based on the worlds of my fiction. So if you like... My Cindy Jour novellas that I did, you like my Savage Rebellion series, you like my kids' books. There's designs based on all of those things that they go on t shirts, they go on mugs, they go on stickers. Awesome. They've got anything you could want to have those designs on swag wise. Um, go to my website, Matt Wallace.com, plenty of links to my collection from there. Support that. Boyd Merch is very cool. They partner with a lot of authors. It's a cool revenue stream for authors. It's something I'd like to see become more common and more prevalent. And uh, I'm a link really and I'll you know, put it in the show notes. I will do that. I will do that. But yeah, I mean, I'm really proud of the collection. They, they did a really great job on the designs and everything. So it's very cool. So check that out and support that. Uh, awesome. Get a couple extra bucks. Yeah.
0: And I'm Mer Lafferty, Merverse.com, Station Eternity Live, October 1st. And the book comes out October 4th. Diggers. This podcast was produced under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Music provided by Devo Spice. DevoSpice.com. Ditch Diggers! This is a free podcast brought to you by the kindness of our patrons. If you would like to also be kind and a patron, go to patreon.com/mightymur